0: Welcome to the Stories in Our Roots podcast. I'm your host, Heather Murphy. In this podcast, we dive deep into how knowing the stories of our ancestors can make a difference in our lives today. Discovering our family history is more than a hobby. It is a way to connect deeply with ourselves, those we love, and the world around us. Welcome to Episode 5 of Stories in Our Roots. I'm Heather Murphy. In this episode, I interview Skylar Carter. I met Skylar through Instagram. She posts frequently about her family, and I got a feeling that she really knew these people. They weren't just names and dates to her. Another reason I'm excited to share Skylar's experiences is because she is my first guest who is not a professional genealogist. Skylar holds a master's degree in urban planning and is a PhD candidate in urban and regional science. In this interview, you will hear how her professional pursuits and coming to know her ancestors have become intertwined. Now here is the interview with Skylar Carter. I am excited to be here today with Skylar. She is the first person that I'm interviewing that is not a professional genealogist, and I am so excited to have her perspective on how she became involved with family history. Now to start, Skylar, could you introduce yourself? Sure.
1: I am Skylar Carter. I am originally from the Muskogee Summit, Oklahoma area. That is where I grew up for most of my childhood. I am currently a PhD student at Texas A&M University, where I am getting my PhD in urban and regional science. So I have a background in urban planning, historic preservation, agriculture business, a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> so
0: Great, and can you tell me a little bit about your family? Sure.
1: So I have two sisters. I'm the middle child. I, I think I'm the, a non-traditional middle child. I don't know what to say. But uh, yes, I have two sisters. Both of my parents are still in Oklahoma, um, where my mother is from, the Muskogee area. My I, I'm really close with my grandmother, who is actually, you know, I'll, I'll talk about her a little bit later, but she's like one of my biggest inspirations. I'm 92 years old. So she is a real pillar in uh, our family and community. Mm-hmm. Yeah it's just us.
0: (laughs) Okay that's great. So here's my dying, I've been dying to know since I asked you to be on. How did you start becoming interested in researching your family?
1: I started my genealogy journey around 2009. So I was a um, senior, a senior in high school and if, if you know anything I guess about African-American families, there's there's this like folklore, I guess, you have Native American in your family. And being from Oklahoma, there are resources and scholarships and grants and things to help you fund your education. So as I was in that senior year trying to find funding to go to college, I had heard this story my whole life about, you know, our grandmother, great grandmother had Indian in her and we just got to find it so we can get a card and, you know, do all this. So I was like, "Mom, I'll do it. I'm gonna, look. <laughs> I'm gonna find the connection." I started looking. I found a connection, not necessarily to the Dawes Roll, which is what many of the Native tribes go by to acknowledge your citizenship with the tribe. I didn't find a relative there. But I just, I I got bit by the book as I was looking and finding different information about my great grandparents and, you know, great uncles and aunts and everything. Like, I was just like, wow. Like, I I really started to feel a connection further back to um, ancestors and those that came before me and just finding similarities within their stories and my own and, you know, what I was interested in at the time. And uh, yeah, so from there, I did not find the connection to get me any scholarships or anything, but I mean so much more. I have been on the journey ever since, so it's, yeah, over 10 years now, <laughs> and uh, I'm only 28. I just turned
0: 28, so. <laughs> that is a great story. So do you remember, was there just a time that you're like, I'm never going to stop doing this, or did it just happen gradually and um, I
1: would say it never really stopped. I didn't have as much time as I would have liked to work on it, as I was finishing my bachelor's degree and even a little bit of my master's. I was just really consumed with my research and everything like that. But I, I never let it go. Like I, I would try to, I would try to look up family members and just different things continuously. But yeah, as it, like I said, I got bit by the bug, and I was just like, I really love doing this. Like I, I really enjoyed that, like thrill of finding another relative, finding siblings of my great-grandparents and things like that, and being able to talk with my parents about it. Because even now, my mom, she's just like, you know more about the family than I do. (laughs) But yeah, I I, I think, I I really think after, maybe like two years after I really started researching, I just was like, I really enjoy this as a hobby. Like, just being able to to make that connection, and it, it just it feels like, feel feel like you bring, I was bringing the family together almost, you know, because I was sharing that information with my, like I said, with my parents and my grandmother and my aunts and you know, stuff that they didn't know. So yeah, I think it was just some kind of like bonding moments that I was creating.
0: That's great. I listened to your trailer on your YouTube show and I loved at the end, you referred to yourself as a millennial kinkeeper. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was, I mean, know, that touched me. Like you're young, but you're, gathering your kin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and
1: we, we just had a, uh, a birthday, you know, Zoom, of course, <laughs> Zoom birthday celebration for my grandmother who just turned 92. And, you know, so many of my cousins have, you know, acknowledged like what I'm doing, which, which really makes me happy because I, I do this because I enjoy it. I, I find family. I love to like bring our family back together in certain moments. And so for, for so with my cousins and aunts and everybody and they're in their sixties, forties, fifties, sixties, even seventies, and they're just like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you!" And actually expressing their gratitude for the work that I'm doing, it really, it really makes me feel good, and it feels like I'm really bringing something and doing something memorable, not only for our family but you know the communities in which our relatives were from and and lived, because they are part of that story, they are part of that narrative in that particular geographical area. Yeah, I, I really do consider myself a kinkeeper. And, and I will have, like I said, I will have cousins, you know, messaging me on Facebook, like, are we related to, how are we related to, or texting me and <laughs> asking me all kinds of questions. And I, I love it. I really do.
0: That's great that you're looking back at your family has also connected that family that's still around and going forward the other way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And, and particularly for my mother's side of the family, both of her Parents had quite a few siblings, and her grandparents, their, her grandparents had quite a few siblings as well. And so the aunts and uncles that they grew up with, my, aunt, my, my mother and her siblings that they grew up with, they kind of lost touch after a while. You know, generations, you know, you lose touch. And one of the greatest things for me that I've done thus far was reconnecting to some of the lines expanding the lineage of my grandmother's family and being able to reconnect. And the fact that it's kind of crazy because some of those cousins were actually living in areas like, I mean, miles apart in, in the same city as my older sister when she was going to college, close to to me, uh, a couple of hours away when I was up in Iowa, like just finding out that we had family everywhere and just being able to reconnect to those lines within our family that had, that we thought were lost. And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. And now we're, you know, trying to plan family reunions. And so of course all this, um, you know, COVID, we we get this settled. Uh, We definitely want to reconnect in person and be able to celebrate family.
0: That is great. Could you share an ancestor or a story that you found in your searches that has just really connected with you?
1: I would say it's probably my great-grandfather, uh, my maternal great-grandfather. So this is my, my mother's father's father, <laughs> for, those who, <laughs> for those who are not really clear on the, the, the genealogy terms, I guess you could say. But So Reverend L.W. Thomas, his name was Reverend L.W. Thomas, and he actually founded, he's a pastor, of course, and he actually founded the community of Summit, Oklahoma, which is a historically Black town within Oklahoma. There are thirteen left in existence. At one time there were over fifty all black communities within the state of Oklahoma. And I would say yeah, I would say that I connect with him because he was a community builder. He was not only just a pastor, he was he was originally from na from Mahia, Texas. He was a native of Mahia, Texas. And he was very involved within the church, within the agricultural part of the economy. He presented at, at different like farmers conferences and things like that. So he was very, very well known in the community and he struck oil in Mejia and it was not welcomed for a man uh, of color to have as much money as he was, you know, receiving for that. He 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 became pretty wealthy from that. And so he was I say was forcefully migrated to Muskogee County area and built this community so that the Texans that were escaping that situation could be self-sufficient, could care for their own, to feel safe and not, you know, live in fear. And so I consider him a planner before we really kind of knew what a planner was cuz this was 1920 1921, 1922, um, when he did this, I really feel like I connect with him because of his community planning background because I am a planner, I'm an urban planner. And so I, that's what I want to do. I love to bring community together. I love, you know, hosting events and bringing situations and, and, and atmospheres to life so that connections can be made or that they can just continue. So I, I, I definitely feel like that I connect with him because he just has such a passion for for people and seeing people especially people of color succeed and thrive in the midst of all this turmoil i say that was going on because if you if you're familiar with oklahoma history or just history in general around 1912 it was 1921 when the tulsa race massacre occurred and so this was right around the time him establishing this community was right around the time that they were dealing with the Tulsa race mass, the aftermath of the Tulsa race massacre, which was 45 minutes up the road in Tulsa. So that's very close proximity to what was happening. So I think he's a trailblazer and I'm doing all that I can to further his legacy and to make sure that people know that there were and there still are people who care for their community so much that they would offer up their assets and, and do whatever they can to help people succeed. That
0: is a great story. Did you already know that you were going to go into urban planning before you started researching? Or do you think maybe researching your family had an influence on that?
1: I, I did not know that I was going to do urban planning. Uh, actually, I didn't, even, I didn't even really know the term urban planning when I applied for my master's degree. But I started, you know, as I was looking into programs, I was like, oh my gosh, like this sounds exactly like what I want to (laughs) do. So I was like, urban planning, this is it. And I started one semester and loved it, fell in love with being able to be that resource for people within a community. But I, yeah, I had no idea I was going to do urban planning. I think definitely my family research helped me to understand how important it is to take advantage of. The opportunity and the resources that you have. We weren't the wealthiest. I mean, I, I just told you that my grandfather struck oil, but it it wasn't like that for everybody. And so, I'm so when I think about other relatives that I have researched and the you know tenacity and the strength that it took for them to step out on their own or to leave a place that was not a good atmosphere for them, I think it definitely helps me to understand that every opportunity that I have now in every part of my life that I have to take advantage of it. I would be doing a disgrace to my ancestors if I didn't. And that's just how I think about it these days.
0: Many people begin researching their family history eager to discover their ancestors and explore their heritage. Oftentimes they don't realize the mistakes that end up tangling their family tree until much later in their genealogy journey. That is why I put together a free guide Seven Ways You Unintentionally Sabotage Your Family Tree. The link to download this guide is in the show notes. Are you letting what you don't know get in the way of discovering your family's story? Now, I hadn't heard the term urban planner before. Can you tell me, like, what would that actually look like in the job field? What would you be doing? So many things. (laughs)
1: There's so many opportunities for in, in, in urban planning there's all types of different planning. I mean, transportation planning, environmental planning. I am a historic preservationist. I do more of that preserving culture, heritage, legacy and incorporating that into economic development and all types of things like that. So you could be, I mean, a city manager, there are actual planners are called planners. And so they do a lot of the, I would say a lot of the regulations and things that, A city has to go by whether it be the size of a signage. Yeah, stop. But you'd go more the history route, and oh yeah, yeah, preserving culture. And there's a thing called heritage tourism now that's really gaining some traction because there there are areas that people don't you know know that certain events happened in, in, in that area or that it was the place of a battle or something like that. So a lot of, you know, museums and parks and things like that can be actually incorporated into the urban planning field as well. So, I mean, there's, there's so many things, private and public sector, so
0: many jobs. So. <laughs> okay, well, that gives me a little better idea and that you're focusing on that history preservation and helping mm-hmm. people remember the past.
1: Remembering the past and seeing how it affects us now. I just think it, te- it tells a story. A lot of historic preservationists or people who are working within a historic preservation division within a city have a lot to do with like historic homes and historic neighborhoods and things like that and trying to preserve those structures. And I, I think those are really, really important in telling the, the, the narrative or sharing the narrative of a particular community. I think that they definitely play, play a big role in preserving a community.
0: And you've already kind of melded the two because didn't I see that you have one of your ancestors, you did all the paperwork to get it on the National Historic Register? I did. I did. Two years ago or, or three years ago now, it's 2020. <laughs>
1: three years ago now, I just wanted some grant funding. It all starts with grant funding. Why Why aren't there more grants? <laughs> but um, But yeah, so it started with grant funding. And I knew that I knew that the family would have a better chance of gaining funding to restore uh, my great grandfather's home that he built when he came to Summit. I knew they would have a greater opportunity to get funding for that if they were on the national register. And so I started the paperwork, and thankfully, uh, with the help of the state historic preservation office, I was able to get it officially on the register as of 2018. So. It is a national landmark, you know, It it is in the history books, you know, and it's just bringing me one step closer to further uh, advancing the legacy of my great-grandfather, because I, he had so many plans. I feel like he had so many plans for the community and didn't get to see, you know, all of that come to fruition. So for me to continue the legacy is, is really special to me, and I, I do not take it lightly, and my grandmother that I, that I mentioned that's a 92 years old, she actually was the first mayor of the community. She actually did all the groundwork for getting the, the town incorporated in 1980. So even though the community uh, was established in 1922, it didn't get recognized by the state or anything until 1980. She did all that work as the mayor and served for many decades. But so, yeah, I'm continuing the work of two amazing people that I do not take lightly. So,
0: Thank you. Another thing I noticed in your posts is you have this heritage of sororities and fraternities. And I'm completely ignorant of that world. How does that connect you back to generations? There's obviously a very strong association with that.
1: Yes, it is definitely a a big thing in my family, particular. African-American sororities and fraternities have a legacy of community building and fighting for justice, fighting racial injustice in our country, dating back to the first fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, was established in 1906. And my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, was established in 1908, one of the reasons why I have such a passion for it is because I, you know, I grew up around it. I am a legacy. My my mother, my grandmother, aunts, <laughs> cousins were all a part of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Incorporated, and so it it really means a lot to understand the impact that these groups had on building up a community or supporting aspects of the community that were not that were not fully supported by. The city, or some other resources that were supposed to be in place for the residents, but somehow, I would say <laughs> somehow, people of color, res- residents of color, were left out. I would encourage everyone to to definitely look into uh, we we'll call it the, the Divine Nine organizations. If you just type, you know, Google D Nine organizations, African American stories and fraternities, you'll find a lot of different instances of community service, community impact that they have had all over the country, all over the world. They are international organizations.
0: Yeah, I looked into it a little bit and I could just see how your family, like you talk about your great grandfather and everybody is so community minded of Mm -hmm. helping each other and not just bloodline, but those that you live around as well.
1: Yes, I'm so thankful that, and I I do feel like it's, you know, in my blood, I, I feel like Serving the community is in my blood. I'll say it again, like we were not the richest family on the block, but there was always a passion for seeing everybody succeed, not just being selfish and our family has got to get it. You know, our family is the one that's got to, you know, get rich off of something. But just knowing that that passion has been passed down to me, like I said, I don't take it lightly. I am honored to continue this work. And to help who needs it.
0: Are there any other ancestors that you want to tell us about?
1: Oh, I could really get into it. <laughs> I could really get into you know talking about my family. I've done a lot of research on my, my mother's side of the family and I'm just now getting into my paternal side, my father's side of the family as well. His his grandfather was very, I would say tenacious as well, just very hardworking. I mean, he was purchasing land in Butler County, Alabama, early eighteen seventies and eighties. And so, you know, to if you understand any kind of anything about the dynamics in the South, in Alabama. This is Southern Alabama down there in Butler County. That was, that was a feat in, in and of itself to be able to purchase land down there. And Richard Clint Carter Jr. Um, was his name. And I feel like I've gotten a little bit of his, you know, mm, you know, <laughs> uh, got, gotten a little bit of that from him. So I, I feel like my, my ancestors fueled me. A lot of people ask me like, how are you doing all this? Like, I mean, I do have a lot of stuff going on, but I really do feel like they, they fuel me and they're going to take care of me by whatever means necessary. Um, and that's that's the only explanation. Because when I think about all the stuff, <laughs> all the stuff that's going on, and I'm not saying I'm, you know, any busier than anybody else, but when you think about, you know, all the stuff that is, I, I just envision, you know, you trying to balance the plates. <laughs> uh, there's a lot, there's a lot, but they keep me grounded. And they fuel me to do more, more for my community.
0: Thank you. Now, my last question for you is what advice do you have for someone who is just thinking about starting to find out who their ancestors are? Definitely
1: take advantage of the free resources out there. In my beginning stages of my research, I use FamilySearch.com. And that is a great, great resource. It's an amazing resource and it's free. I would say create your account on there and just kind of start browsing. And if you have just a, a, your grandfather's name or your grandmother's name, start there. Just see what you can find. I guess also more, more importantly, I would say, if you have elders that you can talk to, I will sit down with them and talk with them, and you know, record them. Just and record yourself asking them questions about their parents and different things that they um, experienced growing up, where they grew up, and different questions like that. Because you can go back and listen to that and research that. But that would be the main thing I would say is to record yourself. Just talk to them, have a conversation. It doesn't have to be like, okay, so what is your name? You know, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have to be you know a list of questions necessarily like that but just talk to them and you they when they and then like, oh i don't know anything i don't know anything and then they start talking it's just like a plethora of information that you can glean little bits and pieces from which which is awesome so yeah that would that would be the thing record record yourself talking and then you can go back and research on family search and different some other free resources gen web and
0: yeah Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure everyone will love to hear it. Good luck on continuing your education and following in your great grandfather's footsteps.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. It was wonderful talking with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me today for Stories in Our Roots. Please help this podcast grow by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends. If you have feedback or would like to recommend someone to share their story, head to storiesinourroots.com and fill out the form. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next week.